Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is Matthew's Beatitudes. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. First, let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zenzelo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so Matthew's Beatitudes. For those that aren't familiar with them, let's start mm-hmm. with what they are. Okay, so these come from the Gospel of Matthew, mm-hmm. chapter 5, verses 3 through 12. These are a section that maybe even if you haven't grown up in the church or you are just Christian adjacent, you may have heard some of these before. They happen in the setting of something called the Sermon on the Mount. Okay. And it's a situation where Jesus has tried to get away, but people have followed him and he's run up a mountain to try to get some privacy. That really didn't work. And so he turns around and he preaches to everybody while he's standing on like a hill on a mountain and people can hear him. Okay. And he part of this entire section of this Sermon on the Mount, very important sermon in the Gospel of Matthew and echoed with a similar style sermon in the Gospel of Luke. Okay. Although it happens in Luke, it is the Sermon on the Plain. Okay. And the settings do matter across the two Gospels. Where they are set matters. So in Matthew, it is the Sermon on the Mount. And this is kind of one of the parts of it that is the most quoted, the most known It is a section that holds a lot of not just nostalgia or interest for people, but people particularly find comfort in this section. They find a lot of hope in this portion. This is the blessed are the section. Mm -hmm. So we get blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Blessed are you when people insult you. It's this whole list of the blessed are you. And this section then gives promises to you, gives promises to God's people When you find yourselves in situations or when God's people find themselves in situations of trial and tribulation and hardship, blessed are you in these places, for then you will, and then offers the promises of the kingdom of God. Okay. Who is he speaking to? You said people basically chased him up a mountain, but is it just average people or a little bit of everybody? Because it seems to me, if you're offering comfort in this blessed R, you're you're going to be talking to the not affluent and the common man, for lack of a better term. That's a good question. And this came up in the scripture this last Sunday. Mm-hmm. And it kind of struck me interesting because in the scripture as we read it, it sounded like he was just talking to the disciples there for a minute. But the Sermon on the Mount, I thought was to a crowd. Mm -hmm. I know the Sermon on the Plain is spoken to a large crowd of 
many people of disparate means. Matthew, though, has a bit of a different audience as to who the gospel writer is intending things to go to. It's very interesting because the scripture itself, it's nuanced. We get in verse two of this chapter that he sits down and teaches them. So the only pronoun that we get is them. It's not a clear... No, that's very vague. It's a very vague, right? So seeing the crowds, this is verse one, seeing the crowds, Jesus goes up on the mountain. When he sat down, his disciples come to him. He opened his mouth and teaches them. So it could be that the crowds follow the disciples. It could be that it's only the disciples. It's very unclear as to how many people are there for the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Plain is much more clear. Okay. Over the years, the depictions of the Sermon on the Mount show crowds, show kind of the both and. The disciples maybe are closer, but the crowds are still present with the Sermon on the Mount so that it's heard by many. But the disciples hear it very closely, Mm -hmm. maybe more clearly. The Gospel of Matthew... One of the pieces to remember is that the gospel writer of Matthew is interested in maintaining some religious structure. Okay. And order of things in the sense of proving the value of Jesus through the prophecies of Isaiah and speaking to religious people. And the mountain being on the top of a high place reveals kind of this calling back to Moses on a mountain, Mm -hmm. to all of these different places, these holy sites where religious events, where beautiful, holy, good things happen on high places. Jesus being on this high place to speak these words is absolutely symbolic of him being holy and important. So why do you think he chose this particular topic of blessed are for they will get at this time? Does that make sense to you? At this time in the story? Yeah. Well, now you're asking about the whole overarching structure of the Gospel of Matthew. Okay. And are you asking about Matthew or are you asking about Jesus talking about that? I guess. Because in some ways, there's always two questions to this, right? Uh Uh-huh. Because we're talking about the events in Jesus's life. Why would Jesus come and want to talk to us about remembering that when we are mourning, that we will be comforted, that when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, that we will receive satisfaction, right? There's Jesus telling us these things, which in some ways, when we look at the Beatitudes, we can absolutely see the echo of Mary's Magnificat, right? If we think about Jesus growing up with Mary's Magnificat as his lullaby and childhood song, then we have in the Beatitudes this echoing of Mary's Magnificat. The grand will be made low. You will turn the kingdom upside down, right? And Mm -hmm. we see that here in the Beatitudes, Jesus promising Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Right? Jesus saying these things at this point in his ministry, we can ask that question. Why would he take the time at this point in his ministry? John has just been arrested. 
He knows that his cousin is in trouble and in difficulty. He's trying to find his own way in his own public ministry. What does it mean to be in public ministry? He's sharing this message that he's carried with him throughout his lifetime about who he understands God to be and how he understands the kingdom of God to be a part of this world. And he's sharing this message out into the community and finding ways to do it as he's calling his disciples to come and to be with him. He's teaching about this vision. He's healing people. He is making his first marks on communities as he's going forward and bringing about the kingdom of God. So where this falls in Jesus's story as he tells the story is one piece. Where this falls in the Gospel of Matthew, as the Gospel writer tells the story, Mm -hmm. is another question. Because we always have that literary question as well. Why would the Gospel writer place this piece here at this time as well? Well, and I guess I think back to the stories of ordinary time. The stories and the parables and the wedding at Cana and that kind of stuff, the language is very different than what the Beatitudes are. And for some reason, as you were reading them to me, it didn't seem like something that would actually be spoken by Jesus, if that makes sense. Mm. And yet it is. It's his sermon, Mm -hmm. right? That's a difference. It's a sermon. Mm -hmm. Ah. It's not a conversation. Sure. And if you've ever talked to a preacher versus listened to a preacher preaching. And that makes sense. <laughs> right? Yep. Like it's like listening to you and me here on the podcast versus listening to me preach. Mm-hmm. I have a different cadence. I probably use a different vocabulary. I try hard to not use a different tone when I preach, but I'm sure that I do. It takes years of dedicated effort to work really hard to not have a preacher voice. And I say that in like scare quotes Uh because it's a real thing to get up in front and start preaching and you have a preacher voice. And I have worked really, really hard to try to not have a preacher voice, to try to keep my tone, my timbre, my rhythm the same as my regular speaking voice. And that's hard just because you're using a microphone and you're doing all the different things you have to do to use a microphone well, Mm -hmm. which is different than how you speak when you just normally show up in a place. But it's hard, right? So this is Jesus preaching. This is not Jesus talking to Mary or Martha or somebody. Exactly. Okay. Like he's not talking back to his mom right here. Right. Like at the wedding at Cana, Mm -hmm. he's talking back to his mom, woman, it's not my time. Mm -hmm. Right. He's back talking his mama. He's not preaching to a crowd of people. Okay. So the Beatitudes themselves, there are how many of them? In Matthews, there are eight Beatitudes, possibly nine. And the ninth Beatitude is about Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you. That seems like a hard one. Yeah. Is that one that gets left off for obvious reasons? Um, I think not necessarily. I think that's one that gets used abusively. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So verse 11, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And that can be twisted so that it can be used to justify encouraging someone to remain in an abusive situation. Mm -hmm. It can be used to internally justify remaining in an abusive situation. Well, Jesus endured, so I must endure. Mm -hmm. And I'm blessed because I'm going through these things. So I think that that one in North American Christianity can and has been twisted in ways that can set up a really hard and difficult dynamic. When you say it in the first centuries of Christianity, when people are actively being imprisoned and actively being martyred, mm -hmm. that is one thing. When you say it in 21st century United States of America, in order to encourage a spouse to remain with an abusive partner, that's a very different use of this scripture. Mm -hmm. And that is abuse. That is spiritual abuse. So how do you feel about the Beatitudes? Do you like the message that they send? Or is it something that you kind of gloss over when you get to them in the lectionary? I think they're difficult to preach. Yeah? They're one of these passages that they are so familiar that they are unfamiliar and yet difficult to preach. That we get to them and we think we know them. And so we gloss over them and we don't dig into what is so powerful about them or what is countercultural about them. And it's hard to spend the time with them that we need to to really unpack what is powerful about them. One of the ones that has sat with me for a while and that I'm still kind of trying to unpack what does this mean? And I think that it may have been like a Desmond Tutu sermon or something mm -hmm. was blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. And it's this concept that people who are looking to see God in the world, whose hearts are always open to looking for seeing God in the world will find God in the world. That being pure in heart is not about being beautiful, kind, gentle, sweet, uh, innocent, naive. Any of the things that I had kind of grown up thinking pure in heart was, mm -hmm. uh, with maybe emphasis on sweet, naive, but that pure in heart was more about Looking to love the world, looking to adore the world, looking for God, looking to see the divine everywhere around us. And that if we are looking to see the divine in the world, if we want to see that in someone else or through someone else, we will see God. And to sit down and really sit in that and to imagine what that can do and then to live a life that is challenged by that statement, just that beatitude alone, just that one changes everything. Because if you 
are walking around going, God is everywhere. And I am going to be open to seeing God everywhere. And it will be beautiful. Then it changes. It just changes the world. But that takes a lot of energy and time to sit down and really live into each one of these, I think. Yeah. And in that sense. The Beatitudes to me always seemed trite, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Like cross-stitch pillow. Yeah messages. And there really wasn't anything to unpack. It was like, well, if you're, you know, patient, you'll get something good in the end if you can just hold on. It's like, well, that's cold comfort. (laughs) Thanks. Right. But if you do look into them, which I've never done, (laughs) you can find more in there, which is interesting. And I think like, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. This idea that when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, when you hunger and thirst for right relationship, when you have that drive, if you know people who have that drive that they really hunger and thirst for relationships to be in good standing, for relationships to be in good order, which is what righteousness means. Okay. For things to be in good standing and good order between people. And if you think of those folks and how they are driven to change the world for the better. Right now, I think of union organizers, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, And think of those union organizers that you know who are out there fighting for like nurses to have equitable patient loads that they can truly care for the sick and dying and how they will fight tooth and nail in order to provide an environment for healing to occur. And think about those individuals and that deep hunger and thirst, they are blessed for they will be satisfied. And that's where I get that like parallel back to Mary's Magnificat Mm -hmm. because it's that same hunger, that same thirst in Mary's Magnificat and that promise that there will be satisfaction. God will knock the mighty down from their thrones and uplift the humble of heart right? It's that promise that's in these, but it takes time to dig into each one of them and try to find a way and not just say, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. When I'm mourning, don't just rattle that off to me. It's not as helpful as you think it is. It's really not. Mourning consumes And to toss that as if in five tiny words for they will be comforted could change the impact of the all-consuming depth of true mourning. And yet the promise of God's presence in that hard, breath-stealing ache of loss, there is comfort to be found. 
And so when we find our way through them and we dig into them, they are powerful statements. It's just hard to get past. It's really hard to get past how they have become so shiny, Mm -hmm. commercialized. Have you ever done a class on them? I don't think that I have. Hmm. Is it something you'd ever want to do? I could. It would be interesting to see how people would encounter and what it would mean to be poor in spirit to you. How do you imagine that phrase and what it meant to Jesus in that moment and what it meant to be promised the kingdom of heaven in that moment, right? Mm -hmm. How do we see the two things that Jesus is holding up next to each other? And how do we understand the promises of these Yeah, by the time you have eight, nine, arguably, that's a lot for one, what, 10, 15-minute sermon on a Sunday morning? There's no way. (laughs) No. You cannot address all of this in a sermon, much less to give context to it, to give any context to the gospel reading, to give any context to how this plays out in the overall ministry of Jesus. There's way too much. There's Mm -hmm. way too much. So you maybe can choose one of the Beatitudes for the year and sink into it, maybe. It's just hard. Okay, that's going to lead me to my last question. If you did have to pick one Mm -hmm. to preach on for a Sunday morning, which one do you think is the most likely subject? I think it would depend on context, what was going on in the congregation and what was going on in the world. In the world. Okay. At the given time. Right. These just came up this last Sunday, but it was our RIC congregation celebration. Uh So in some ways, I referenced them by saying the queer community often is seen in many of these outsider words, the poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who are meek, those who are hungry for righteousness. Right. Mm -hmm. We know very much The community is at the intersection of those things, particularly when they are at an intersection of more marginalization, such as Black, Indigenous, Brown, Mm -hmm. Asian, right? So I didn't address a single one. If it were a time in life where there were no particular challenges, (laughs) that's unlikely, (laughs) right? But, you know, random summer Sunday, everything's going along, happy-go-lucky, there's no tragedies in the congregation, and I could just pick any one of them I wanted for just a lovely little sermon. Mm -hmm. I would probably lean into the pure in heart for they will see God. I would probably lean into verse 8. I think for me, that one is a fabulous challenge for every single one of us. Mm Mm-hmm. That we can all, no matter where we find ourselves, work more so to see God in everything and everyone around us and to work to hold God's love within us so much so that we see the world from that lens. And so the challenge would be for us to do that. And the others... Not all of us are poor in spirit. Not all of us are mourning. Not Mm -hmm. all of us, you know, Mm -hmm. at any given time. But we can all strive to love so much 
that we see God throughout the world. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about Matthew's Beatitudes. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for joining us. If you have thoughts on the Beatitudes or would like to share your favorite one with us, we would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us at podcast at centralportland.org. And until you hear from us again, remember, God loves you no matter what.